everyone, I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Larissa Russell of Creative You Healing and welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today I have with me Cynthia Hawk. Our guest today is the founder of Mindful Creative Muse and she primarily works with overwhelmed, busy and self-critical women to help them de-stress and embrace their inner critic with calming mindful art activities. She also works with art and yoga teachers, life coaches and expressive art therapists through her online group coaching program and mindful art and yoga teacher trainings. Welcome, Cynthia. Thanks so much for having me, Larissa. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. You know, we run in the same circles, it seems, and then I keep seeing your name. And so it was really great that we could connect finally. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So can you share some of your story and your path that's brought you to where you are today? Yeah, definitely. Uh, for me, my path with mindfulness and art um, there's been a couple of distinct moments that helped me on that path that I'll share briefly. The first one, when I was in my undergraduate program, I was working full-time as a manager and I was doing my undergrad in psych on track to become a clinical psychologist with a PhD. And I remember I was so overwhelmed. I was burning you know, both ends and was a high achiever and was really stressed and very self-critical. Um, and I started having panic attacks and I always loved art. And I remember my dad said, why don't you start taking some art classes just as a minor, just on the side for your own self-care. And I happened to also find a yoga class. So this was all in my early 20s in college. And it completely shifted the entire trajectory of my life. I remember I saw a flyer when I was going uh, to my psych professor as I was working on my PhD and the flyer was for an art program in Italy and I decided in that instant when I saw the flyer that I would quit my managerial job, switch tracks over towards an MFA in the arts and I moved and lived in Italy for a year before then continuing on my path. Um, so that's one big moment and the other moment for me is I was treated for cancer when I was 29 and when I was going through, after I had surgery and radiation, I had to, I was sort of glowing green and I had to be quarantined, which now a lot of people can relate to <laughs> this feeling of, I can't be around people, I need to kind of be sequestered. So it wasn't long, it was like three to five days. And I had discovered a book called Soul Collage by Sina Frost with this really beautiful intuitive collage process because I couldn't touch electronics either. And so those two moments tending to my own self-care needs around anxiety and stress and panic attacks, as well as working through 
pain and grief and this really difficult situation then ended up leading me towards other certifications and trainings, uh, mainly in mindfulness and art, which are large, largely the practices that I teach in online classes and teacher trainings. And I feel so it's so pivotal for my own healing. And it's really gratifying for me to see how in their own way these practices support students that I work with. Um, so those are the two big moments on my path. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we are, no, we don't all, those of us who are on this path, I think, have been there and have had those sort of pivotal moments where creativity has pulled us through um, whatever we're going through. And then, then that leads me into this question about what does healing with creativity then mean to you? Absolutely. Um, so what comes to mind, I believe it's Bessel van der Kolk. He says the issues are in the tissues. And um, there's so much that I've noticed for myself and then also with my students that as we're healing can be a challenge to be with a lot of those sensations that are in our bodies, um, to be with the stressors of life. And there's so many different healing paths and modalities that can support people. For me and for my students, I've found that mindful art activities are, it was when I discovered them, it was like a big doorway in, you know? Um, So creativity and healing and mindfulness and art for me offers a space of being with what's here right now in this moment. So not what's happened in the past, not what's coming up in the future, um, to really sit and be with what's present now, what's beneath the surface and to hold it in a way that feels really compassionate and easy and safe uh, and to have not only the mindfulness access but the invitation and the permission to then express myself creatively uh, allows for a deeper a deeper sense of healing and oftentimes I notice again for me and for my students that sometimes the words aren't as accessible you know so if the issues are in our tissues we we even just regular stress day-to-day life, um, we may be aware of that, but we might not have all of the words to fully express what it is that we're struggling with. And so I love that with mindful art activities or even art and creativity in general, that it just offers another access point, another way into ourselves and then another way to express ourselves. And I find that healing comes from being able to be with what's here and being able to move through it. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I talk to my students and, and clients quite a bit about is about actually sitting with an emotion and, and then allowing it to move through. Cause when we stuff it and we push it, it doesn't actually go away. It just builds up. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's interesting because I just had a, a traumatic event happened in the last couple of days a a really good friend of 20 plus years passed away suddenly of a pulmonary embolism and I'm I'm feeling that this is the first time in my life that I've gone through such a major grief and felt it right because in the past before I had done a lot of the work you know I would push it down and I deal with little bits at a time and it just like lingers and right now I can like feel it in my body what I'm going through. Right. And so 
the writing and the uh, the painting and the processing it, it's all happening in the <laughs> so I've been very creative the last couple of days <laughs> oh. Oh. trying to work through that but feeling that in your body and it's such an uncomfortable feeling and we often push it away because it's so uncomfortable but if we can just let it be and feel through it 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 just has a chance right it has a chance to then come and go and we can get through it so that's what I'm working on right now <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah and I, I find it's such a shared experience like even though our individual stories might differ that human part of us of being with grief and with loss and with moving through and healing that's a shared experience with all of us and to to have these tools and these ways we can be with that and support ourselves i think is just such a big gift you know it it doesn't necessarily make it easier but it's just another way to hold that space for ourselves yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then what inspires you in the work you do? Hmm, I love this question. Uh, I think it, it's twofold for me. So partially because I teach what I do and what I love. Uh, I remember, so years ago, I was in India and I was traveling for two months um, and I was right next to the Taj Mahal and behind the Taj Mahal, uh, there's a huge tent city. And I was really, I've always had a really soft spot in my heart for uh, homelessness. And I was just really taken aback by the, the huge difference between this pristine palace and these tent cities. And I was doing a, a documentary photography project there, photographing people in slums around what home meant to them and community. And I remember in that moment, it was like a light bulb went off. Um, and I don't know if any if you've had this experience before, but I just had this deep inner knowing and of around, around my calling, and that was to wake up and to wake others up. And I think that there's so many ways that 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 can be interpreted. For me, my way of waking up to being here in the present moment and to being with my life is through mindfulness and art activities. And so I've felt a deep calling to sharing that work. Um, because that's what supported me. Uh, the other thing I think that helps me to feel really inspired in my work is the feedback and stories I hear from my students. Um, so I shared, I'll share just a couple really brief ones because I could go on for days about this. <laughs> but I had a woman that I shared my meditative watercolor doodling practice with, really simple practice just to help you ground and, and de-stress. And she had a seven-year-old son who was really struggling. And she said that she tried all these different things and he was really emotional and he saw her making that watercolor doodle and kind of asked her about it. And then he ended up trying it. He went up to his bedroom and did it. And she said he continued that practice and that she immediately saw a huge shift in his ability to regulate his own emotions, to have this own space for himself. And, and that largely inspired me to do more work with kids, with parents and teachers. Um, but I've had other students when I was doing art and yoga classes in person years ago, I had a student that came in and she had fibromyalgia and she said her pain level was a seven when we started the class and that she checked in and her pain level was at a four at the end of the class and that she felt such a huge level of freedom 
with the invitation that just by tuning into what was happening in her body and being with it, we, we did a brief body scan drawing uh, exercise that she had the empowerment herself to have a shift, you know? And so it's those kind of moments that I receive feedback and stories from my students where I just feel so deeply grateful to be able to hold that space and container with them. Um, and it's not me, it's the work and it's us on our, our own path, but it's just such a beautiful reminder and connection to why I do this type of work. Yeah, I think, I know for my own self that, you know, when I hear those things, like, and I see the shift in people, you can see it when they, when they have those aha moments or they, you know, something clicks for them or they can start to sort of ease into themselves. And that keeps me doing what I do every day. Yeah, I totally understand that one. Mm -hmm. One of the things that becomes an, um, a sticking point, if you will, in our culture is the monetizing of healing and or creative works. And you are a mixture of those two. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I find it to be a really deeply personal question. I have known people in healing and in the arts who choose for themselves to have that be their own personal practice. And not only are they not monetizing it, but they also don't share it with anyone, right? Like their own art journaling practice or whatever practice they have. And then I think that there are other people in the world where they decide to um, monetize it through selling their work in galleries or um, through having a, a holistic practice or through teaching. I think that um, I'm grateful that we live in a world where I read something the other day that um, I think it was around graphic design, but it, it was just this huge insight and flashlight around the fact that there are a lot of jobs out in the world that sustain people financially that are based in the arts and or based in healing. Um, and I get really excited about that. It's I think there's a fine line. Um, I knew for myself when I was doing my MFA program that I didn't want to sell my actual artwork that because I had friends who were gallery artists and once they had a following, they would express to me that they felt like they couldn't shift their artwork because they didn't want to lose their their buyers. Um, and there's ways around that as well. But for me, I always knew that that didn't land well, that I didn't want to sell my, my actual artwork. But I've always felt called to teach and um, to be able to teach my practice, the, the work that I do through mindfulness and art, and the fact that that can sustain me, I'm just so deeply grateful. So I think that there's, you know, it's across the board and I think it's a personal choice. Yeah, I think that's really fair um, because, you know, there are, there's so many aspects to it from the selling what you create to teaching someone how to create to, you know, or healing, selling what you're healing. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So what would you say you're the proudest of in your life? Mm. Uh, I would say two things. I, apparently, it's so tricky. I, it's, I'm one of those people when someone says, what's your favorite movie? I can never pick just one. Or what's your favorite book? Um, so I'll share two answers. One is uh, my sister was treated for cancer as well, the same cancer that I had um, maybe six years ago or so. And I was called home from my family uh, to take care of my nephew full time for the nine months that she was in treatment. 
and I feel like that was one of my callings and I'm deeply proud of that that you know stepping into the auntie mama role as I like to call it um and also the other calling that I've felt really drawn to is around teaching and sharing mindful art practices and so stepping into listening to that call that creative call and stepping into it and saying yes I'll say yes to the creative muse to that calling deep within um, and put myself out there even when it feels scary and you know teach classes online even when it feels scary and to be doing that now for several years um, and to hear from so many students how much it's touched other people and even when they're not my student I have um, I have a YouTube channel and I share a lot of really creative and calming practices there. And I'll have people comment that I've never, they've never been in my classes or my teacher trainings. And that still brings me so much joy because I know that they're being influenced, you know, they're receiving some of that and taking it in for themselves. Um, so yeah, both of those things are really close to my heart. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, it's funny when I, started online because I'd always taught in person and I started online. It's a totally different thing. And they're like, Oh, you have to have a freebie and you have to do this. And I found that when I do things as a freebie, I'm kind of disconnected, but when I do things and, and give it for free, which is a different thing, I'm mm -hmm. completely connected. And one of my favorite things um, I do a, well now twice a week, um, create with me. We just come, doesn't matter what everybody's creating. Some people are doing embroidery. Some people are doing painting. Some, you know, somebody was stenciling their wall the other day and we just come and we chat and we hang out together. Mm. And it is one of my favorite things to do to just gather with people, create and, and we chat about anything. It's not even always about art, you know, mm. and it's just a really safe space to, to, to be. And I just, yeah, appreciate that so much. So I understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you can touch other people, it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you could change then one aspect of our society through your work, what would that be? Mm -hmm. um, so part of it is connected with what you're just speaking about. So that is really exciting that you're offering and holding that space, especially given our last year, if people are listening to this, you know, around the time it's being released in 2021, 2020 has been a really hard year for a lot of people. And um, one thing that has just really come up again and again for me and for my students is how can I be with these really difficult, challenging things that are happening in the world? How can I be with my inner critic or these self-critical thoughts that I have and how can I support myself and give myself permission to not only feel those things, but to connect with others in community and to create. And so that's at the root of it. That's what I'm always hoping for with, with sharing mindful art activities and with my work is that in some way it offers a reminder of that permission for us to be with what's happening right now and to be with all parts of ourselves um, and to create and connect with others. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. And another thing that um, I, I've talked to, I mostly talk to women uh, because I work with women. So that, but lately I've been talking to men, so I find it really fascinating. But this, this question about imposter syndrome 
And then I was just recently listening to someone who said, if you don't struggle with imposter syndrome, you're a sociopath. And I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so I'm just going to assume everybody struggles with imposter syndrome at some point, everybody that I know. How have you dealt with that? Absolutely. I So I largely work with women as well. It just seems to be who, who typically gravitates towards me and my work. And this notion of the imposter syndrome, and I often refer to our imposter syndrome as our inner critic as well. Um, I have found to be, I've never met a person say that they haven't had moments of feeling like an imposter or having a strong internal critic voice, depending on the circumstances. So it's come up over and over again in my own personal life and have worked through it with my personal mind fart practice and then also with my students. Um, so as far as the question of how have I gotten over it, um, I, I don't know that anyone ever truly gets over imposter syndrome and inner critic. I think that um, I remind my students I, a, a gentle reminder that let's say they're working on one particular thing. So as an example, I have a, a, an online mindful art and yoga teacher training. So I have a lot of students that come into that that already have their own art practice, already have their own yoga practice, and they want to put their own teachings out into the world. And especially with the online world, um, that can feel really scary. And uh, I often remind them that even once we move through some of those fears and we start doing it and maybe realize, oh, it wasn't as scary as I anticipated, um, that it's almost like those groundhog games at a carnival where you like knock one down and then it just pops up in another location. That's how I often feel about the inner critic. Um, and I'm to the point now with doing all of this work that I get excited partially when it comes up because I know that that means that I care about whatever that thing is, and also that it's right at or just beyond where my edge, my comfort zone is. And, um, and I'm a huge, a huge fan of lifelong growth and learning. And so to witness and recognize that when, oh, my inner critic is here again, oh, it's saying this again to me, that whatever that thing is that's coming up is because I deeply care about it and because I'm I'm stretching and growing. Um, and the only other thing that I'll say too that I often remind with my students and we chat about is that the inner critic, although sometimes doesn't say really nice things and imposter syndrome doesn't typically feel good, that ultimately it is a part of us that's trying to protect us. Um, and so through, I have a, a handful of different mindful art activities that I'll use specifically to embrace our inner critic and to have a dialogue with that part of ourself. Um, so that's largely how I work with imposter syndrome is giving space and really hearing what is this fear? What is it that I'm worried will happen if I do X um, and giving myself expression through mindful art. And it just helps soften it, you know, it doesn't go away, but it, um, I forget who, but somebody had said, instead of them being in the driver's seat, it's like they kind of hang out in the back seat. And so you can still be together, you're still going to the same destination, but your, your inner knowing and your empowered self is the one driving, you know, so that we can still move forward and not allow it to stop us. 
I like that vision, actually. Just put them in the back seat. I find, <laughs> I find as you, as you um, become more aware of how your inner critic or um, that imposter syndrome comes up for you, like for me, um, once I realized I was constantly getting sick and it was like, it, why am I constantly getting sick? And when I dug down and, and realized it was fear, oh, if I'm sick, then that's a really good, you know, people understand that. Oh, I can't do it because I'm sick, right? And so once I realized that, then it was like, oh, so when I get sick, am I sick or is it fear? And then I have to look at that and go, nope, it's fear. I don't think I've been sick since I figured that out, right? So truly sick since I figured, but it used to stop me from doing a lot of things because I would get sick. I couldn't do it, you know? And, and it's very interesting how how um, that happens or how we, um, once we start to figure out how our procrastination or inner critic or imposter syndrome presents itself, we can then start to go, mm, no. Mm. You sit in the back seat. I love that. You sit in the back seat. <laughs> well, I'll and drive. I find you can natter, but I'll drive. <laughs> and I find the body is so wise, like you you sharing that story and then noticing now how how that sickness doesn't come up and arise as much because there, you know, it's not meeting that need. Um the body is so wise and you know that whole survival mechanism kicking in and the different ways that uh, parts of ourselves show up to protect us i just think it, it's so powerful um, and i think being able to have moments where we can like you're saying for yourself once you realized that um, and I have a part of my inner critic who I'm very familiar with her. Like we have a long-standing relationship and, and she'll arise again and again at different times. And just that awareness alone, I find helps me kind of soften a little bit and to, to then choose to refocus. I can be a bit more intentional about how I want to show up. Um, and, and it's also that part, you know, that imposter syndrome or that inner critic is still a part of me. So it's also largely for me around how do I embrace that part? How do I embrace all parts of myself, um, and not, you know, separate or punish. Um, so yeah, it's fascinating. I could chat about the inner critic for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that vis visceral reaction that we have within us is, you know, really important to pay attention to, really mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. uh, do you, by chance, have an inspirational quote that you live by or that, you know, this week you live by? <laughs> I have two that have been with me now for the last five years or so. Um, they're very brief and they're both from teachers that I've had in the past. So one uh, is collaborate with chance. So uh, I love that as a reminder when I'm coming to my creative practice or even when I'm trying something new um, to, to collaborate and be curious because I don't necessarily know where it's going to lead. And I think that's part of the beauty around mindful art activities is that it's about the process and not this final product that you're making. Um, so the first one's collaborate with chance. And then the second one is more of a question, but it's still a quote. And that question is, can I be with even this? And I think that those two really combine mindfulness and creativity uh, in a really beautiful way. So those two daily or, or weekly are coming up in my mind, absolutely. Yeah, 
yeah, I can understand that. So I want to thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we maybe haven't discussed you'd like to share? Hmm. Um, so on that topic of the inner critic and imposter syndrome, I've noticed that my inner critic and with a lot of my students, that um, the inner critic tricks us into thinking that we need to do grand gestures. You know, if we're working towards a goal or if we're working on a project or how we want to show up in the world, that we have to do something really big or it has to be perfect um, or we have to do something else before we can start. And I think especially given our last year, <laughs> uh, one thing that I keep returning back to again and again for myself and in my classes are really simple five-minute mindful art activities and choosing, um, I, I refer to it as Kaizen Muse. So there's a Kaizen Muse method, but it's largely around distilling. If you have um, a goal you're working towards, distilling it down to what's the next small step that you can take towards that goal or towards your self-care. Um, and so, yeah, I think that would be my, my last kind of final reminder is to have permission around uh, just this moment is enough, just that one next small step is enough, um, and to, to ease into that for yourself with self-compassion. I love that. I love that. I think that's really important. Thank you for that. And I see here that you have a free item, a meditative watercolor, watercolor doodling workbook for our, our listeners. That's exciting. So we will make sure that we put the, the link for that so that they can they can get that from you and find you and we'll have all your where to contact you. And I just, again, want to thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure. And to our listeners, we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Do you know about the courses and programs that we offer at Creative View? Meditation and journaling in our Morning Calm program. Step into your authentic self is a program to help you heal from past traumas and start believing in yourself so you can be your healthiest, happiest you. We even have a Healing with Creativity monthly membership where you get healing projects twice a month, plus so much more. Keep watch as we're always adding more classes and programs. Plus, we offer free challenges, access to summits and retreats, as we love sharing. Click below to see what we have happening now.